He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward-Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward Mills. If you live with a difficult mother, what do you do? Live with her. We are called to take up our cross and to follow. But as Christians these days, every time we are looking for a comfort zone. We are looking for comfortable things to do. And that is why when you live with your husband, you say, oh, he's impossible, I'm going. The Bible doesn't give us options just because it's hard. Difficulty has never been a problem with God. It has never been a reason why you shouldn't do something. But he rather said that, take up your cross and follow me. And he said, take up your cross daily. And Paul said, I die daily. It's not easy to die. But that is what, when you said Jesus is Lord, that's what you meant. That I no longer live for myself. You see, he said, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's not easy things that we do. If your mother has nowhere to go, I know a sister like that. Her mother has nowhere to go. The mother is always criticizing, difficult. She tried to even rent a place for her. It didn't work. So many issues. I mean, we tried so many options. It's not working. I said, look, this is your cross for now. Unless God changes your mother, you need wisdom. Because the Bible says that, count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into various trials, knowing this, that the... And then he, after that, he says, if any man lack wisdom. So sometimes the reason why you are not able to overcome in that problem is because you need a certain wisdom. The Bible says that God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your strength. But with every temptation, you provide the way of escape. Often, we don't see the way of escape. The way of escape is something wise that God will bring. You see, it talks about a city surrounded by enemies. They didn't know what to do. Say, so a poor man's wisdom saved them. When you get into impossible situations, you need a certain divine wisdom to know what to do. So ask for it. God says, if any man lack, for, lack wisdom, let him ask of it. But to throw your mother outside, to maltreat your mother because she's impossible, you will not be blessed. It will not be a blessing. So this is a temptation. May you pass the test. May the Lord give you grace and wisdom to know what to do. Amen. And then, if there's anybody your mother listens to, you can go and talk to that friend or whoever and see whether the person will not side with your mother or the person will understand. But it's like asking me what to do if you live with a difficult husband. If you live with a neighbor, that's it. That's it. God didn't say that because he's difficult, go to the divorce court. He never said that. That's what the Bible says. That before you build a house, sit down, take stock, and see whether you can pay that price 
So young ladies who are not married, sit down and see. Think about it. Sir, I want to sleep. The person is waking me up. What type of problem is that? You've cooked some food. He said, no, I want this one. I said, hey, sir. Yeah, I don't stand such things. Those are things I'm not in. That's why you shouldn't marry. You are not ready. Because marriage has a lot of things that you may see as inconvenient. You understand? You want to go here. You now have to say, I'm going here. Why? Can't I just get into my car and go? No, you can't. It's different. So, well, I want to buy a car. He says, so I don't think it's time to buy a car. I think it's time to make blocks. So, and all those kind of things. So, ask yourself whether you are ready. Because for a woman to submit, it means to bend, to be secondary to, and to defer to. So if you are not ready, look, don't try, okay? One lady had been believing God with her, praying for her to get a partner. She was in my office a few days ago. She said, Mommy, I don't know whether to be single is better or... I said, well, I said he tries me, but... I said, but I told you. I told you because you married relatively late and I asked you, are you prepared to give up your independence? Are you prepared to listen to somebody dictating to you? You know, you should dialogue, but sometimes one, one person's view has to go. Are you ready for all that? And now she tells me that she wonders if being single would not have been better. You know, and she said, you know, sometimes I really feel like divorcing. I said, sister, you just started all. You haven't reached anywhere. And then I also told her, divorce is not easy. And I gave her the reasons why. I told her, hang in there and believe God. I want to marry, but my beloved is not financially sound for our wedding. Hey, wedding crown, you're financially sound. And the living there. I don't know what you mean by financially sound. It also depends on the type of wedding you want to have. Some of you young ladies, you see your friend say, oh, she had burgundy and cream. So I'm also having burgundy and cream, whether you can afford it or not, I'm having. She had a five-tier cake, I'm also having a five-tier cake. She had this, I'm also, so sometimes it's not that he's, he's not financially sound, but you are good at causing financial loss to his pockets. Amen. So you really have to look at it. But if it is that he doesn't have a job, he cannot sustain anything, then your marriage may have problems. Because you should both, nowadays there's no one single earner. You should both have a job. When I married my husband, I told you, I didn't wear a wedding gown. I went to buy pieces from VM, blue and then yellow. That dress was very beautiful. I even dashed it to somebody in the church. Very beautiful church dress. You don't need money to look nice. Okay? So, you could go have decent material to make a wedding gown. But some of you say, no. I've seen a gown on the internet. And no, no, And some of us, our parents will also be pushing us. He must do this. He must do that. He must bring eight cloth instead of six. He must do that. And you know that you are all starting life. 
you know, in that case, in that case, it's not fair. So your question is not very direct. So I don't know whether he's financially unsound means he doesn't have a job. He can never hold a job. Some men are like that. They are forever changing from place to place. A rolling stone gathers no moss. And that should show you how your future will be. So you have to sit down and receive instructions, sister. Okay? But life starts not because the men have everything. Your Bishop Sam here, what did he have? You know? And my husband and I, we lived in a one-bedroom flat. But we never prayed about it. We never asked God for change. We didn't even know that there was anything wrong with it. By the grace of God, we were very, very contented. When we moved into our house, we couldn't make towels. The floor was red. There were no windows. When you put on the gas, it would just go off. The gas was secondhand. And we couldn't afford towels and windows. And we were being sacked anyway. So we moved in with red sand. And we lived in like that. And we built it gradually. So it depends on where you are coming from. But he was a man of vision, you know. He was a man who had an eye for the future. He didn't say that, okay, I'll be tiling it soon. And then we stayed in it. It wasn't like that. We built slowly. And we've been building all over these years. So it depends on how you see things. But the brothers too, when they prosper, then they start to look at other sisters. And they start to sponsor all types of foolish things. And they forget the wife of their youth. May that not be your story. How do you handle a guy who has a lot of female friends? The, he claims they are all his friends with no strings attached. But sometimes I don't understand the relationship between them. Well, you really have to ask yourself if you can live with it. Because it's likely that he's not going to change. It's going to be like that. And he's forever going to say that they are just his friends. It could be true that Maybe he's used to the sister's ministry. So ask yourself, if you can live with it, God bless you. But you are not the one to change him. You see, before we marry, we see all the signs. Oh, but we tell ourselves, oh, it's okay. Oh, it's just a problem. Oh, I'll deal with it. Oh, it will go away. When we marry, he will change. You don't speak it, but you believe it. And so when you marry and it doesn't change, then you have problems. So let me tell you that the key of acceptance, if you can accept it, fine. If you can't flow, sister, bow out and look for somebody who doesn't handle females that way. Auntie Mami, as an active daughter in Lighthouse, is it wrong to marry outside the church? No, it's not wrong. There's no verse like that. Amen. Only the Lord says that you must marry in the body of Christ. But I will tell you that it is a known fact that when the two of you go to different churches, it becomes a problem. Amen. Because when you have a convention, they are at home. When they have a convention, you are now going. And all these types. Of, so decide which church both of you can flow in and then flow. And then sometimes... When you are in different churches, you know, um, a relative of mine got born again, and then she became a shepherd. And then some people went to visit her and said, oh, please, we are looking for Sister so-so-so. And the mother 
who has no inkling about lighthouse. What is the why a shepherd? Minim se ungwen bi wo wo. Oh, cause you show one no sabazo. Now, say I don't know. She says she's a shepherd. I don't know whether there are some sheep in the corner that she's going to look. I have no idea. You know, so even terminology becomes difficult when you say something the person doesn't understand. When you say this different thing, so we encourage you to find yourselves in the church. One of the things that saddens me, especially in the Kodesh, is every week the marriage bans are announced. The brothers have gone out for somebody from another church. And I just wonder that, and I look at the bride-to-be and I say, so what is it that is not here? As I look, what is it that is not here? But then, of course, God gives us our liberty, so they choose. And then after they come and tell me, you see when I'm going for prayer meeting, she doesn't understand. She says at this church they do too many exams. She says at this church, I said, ah, but she was Anglican. She was another church. It's not that there's anything wrong with it, but their philosophy, their strength, what they believe is different. And you have gone to bring this person. Now you are the man. The woman is unhappy. And she's complaining. That I, don't, I want to sing canticles. I don't want to sing all night, all day, all day. What is that? I want to sing. We praise thee, O Lord. We acknowledge thee to be the Lord. What type of problem is that? You know, so it's to save you that. So we just encourage, but it's not the law of God. That you shouldn't marry outside the church. Amen. I want to know how to deal with a husband who does not care about anything even when you have prayed over it ever since you met him <laughs> ever since you met him you saw the oh. <laughs> not marriage or since you met him you have been praying over this problem before you married and you are continuing to pray about that problem I think you should become like Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said, three times I besought the Lord that this thing will be taken away from me. But the answer that came was, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. As for multiplied grace, many times when Paul would write to the churches, he says, grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you. So as for multiplied grace, because you've been praying about it, it's not changing. Stop interceding every day about the same thing. And just tell God, I've released it to you. I know that you know what you are doing. Just give me strength and grace to carry on. You can be happy without all these things. When you are young, you feel you have to solve so many problems to be happy. But when you are older, you realize that you, you can live with so many things that are not important. You don't even notice it. So, receive strength. Amen. <laughs> do you hold yourself together after you've broken up with someone you really love you know as I read these questions I realize that you need to listen to so many messages that um, I will not have time to preach but one of the good ones with the broken-hearted is dead situations we are there only and you loved him you are nursing it but he has moved on and the painful thing is the brothers recover more quickly. Every time there's a breakup, they come to my office. I meet them separately. 
I asked the brother, so have you recovered? Oh yeah, by the grace of God, I've recovered. <laughs> when I asked the sister, in a separate conversation, have you recovered? Auntie Mom, it's so hard, it's so hard. The Bible says, dwell with us as with the weaker vessel. So brothers, don't break our hearts by hearts, okay? If you are not ready, don't come and worry us. And then tell us that now you didn't hear God and all these type of problems. So allow the word of God to heal you. Time is also something that will heal you. And later you will look back and say, ah, because of this boy I rode from here to here. That was, uh, the, uh, what was wrong with me? So all the older ladies can tell you that you will recover. Mrs. Ankara, isn't it? She will recover. It will be well. Eh? And God will bring the right person to you. So yes, mourn, weep, have a funeral, but don't have it for too long. And move on. Believe Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plan I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of prosperity and not of evil to bring you to your expected end. Hold on to that word. Allow your heart to be healed. Don't go to the mental hospital, but recover and it shall be well. Amen. What do you do when you are growing and not meeting the right people? You really want to date the right people. I realize that many, many sisters don't get married and go on in age, not because God does not provide, but because they are very, very fussy <laughs> over stupid things, stupid things. I have a sister, she always comes to me, Mommy, are you praying? Mommy, are you praying? I said, look, I said, I've prayed, God has opened the door. Then, many times, she has had people every day, she will mess up something, something, and just this year, she found someone. She, Mommy, are you praying? Hey, now dear, I'm growing. Why are you praying? I'm praying. This man is in love with you, or is, is interested. So he called her for the first time at midnight. She said, Why do you call me at such an uh, ungodly hour? What's wrong with you? What, what, what's wrong with you? I've gone to work. I'm very tired. Midnight, you are calling me for what? Well, what's wrong with you? The guy apologized. The gentleman that he, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't know what. And then the next day he calls her, chats with her. Then she comes, Mommy, the pressure is too much. I mean, why? You like me too much pressure. I said, Are you 16 or something? <laughs> or you are 15? You have time, eh? Time is not on your side. The Lord has sent such a nice gentleman. You're not even. I said, Look, sometimes people get people and say, Oh, his trousers are a bit skewed. His this is this. We understand. But this gentleman, I am telling you, smart, sharp shooter. And she's not flowing. So then he sends her a text and says that since we got together, I can see that the relationship is not going anywhere. And so I want to ask you permission to bow out because I need to move on. And then she sends a text back, okay. I said, ah, why do you send such a text? I said, ah, because what he's saying. I said, but how you are behaving? What else should he say? I said, look, you eh, God has brought you people. The other brother, you told me that the back of his head is like a tin cutter. Do you remember?
I see that God provides, but we are some way. Most of the time, we are some way. We don't have patience. We don't have the graciousness to be gracious. I said, even if you don't like him, be nice to him. He can become your friend. What is this flippant answer? Why? Why? And every time you come, mommy, are you, are you praying? I told her, I've stopped praying. I'm not praying. So when you say that it breaks my heart, I said, let your heart be broken. I'm not praying. You know? And even my husband said, why did she send a text that, okay, she should retract the text. My husband told me to tell her, he was standing with me. He said, send her a text that, she should send him a text back that, oh, I'm sorry for the answer. Let's give it a try. Bishop gave me the word to. I texted it to her. She never sent it. So, mommy, this one there is hard. Oh, mommy, this one there. And we are here. Hmm. So sometimes you shouldn't blame God. You are some way. Oftentimes, sisters, you are some way. And even when the brothers approach you, just to be courteous, to be respectful, you don't have it. Just because he says he's interested in you, you say, Oh, are you going? Of course I'm going. Don't you know that church has closed? Of course. The brothers need encouragement. Encourage them. Give them a lifeline. They'll take it. Amen. And in any case, you ask me what you do when you are going. I think that whilst you are single, whilst you are single, learn to eat the fat drink the sweet and do not lose your joy the joy of the Lord there are many things you will be able to do as a single woman that you will not be able to do as a married woman I will bring some of the people like the lady who came to tell me that she doesn't know whether to be single is better I'll bring them into some of the meetings so that they give their testimonies and encourage you as to how to be when you are single but believe God but don't put your life on hold because you haven't found a partner. Live. Be happy. Create things in your life that make you happy. And God in his own good time. And also allow God to work on your character. Because some of us, if we marry today, we will divorce tomorrow. Because of the way we are. So allow God and I trust that and pray that God will bring. You see how do you meet the right person? By becoming the right person yourself. And also there are some messages I've preached how to be found, how to be marriageable, eh? different messages on relationships, seven realities of marriage. So get it. And your life will not be the same. I know that many women are some way, eh? but many men are also some way and don't make their wives happy. I don't see the men being helped to be better husbands. Why? Because his daughter you can make it. It is geared mostly to women and I have come to believe that usually if you change other things change they may not change rapidly but they do change so I work with what you have control over 
You know, you may talk, but you don't have control over your husband to change him. But in your own life, you can make the changes that are necessary so that you can move on. So that is why. But if you want us to have a men's meeting, I think Bishop Sam can have. I've told my husband about it, and he said, okay, give me the topics and I'll just go for it. You know, but I believe the Bible also says that the men should dwell with us according to knowledge. And that's why we address some of these issues at daughter conventions. So yesterday, I think I addressed some of the things to the men. So, but in even ordinary preaching, they talk about men and women. I would agree that the women are told more what to do. But it's also because we are the ones supposed to be submissive. Do you understand? But I think that as you obey God and you cooperate with the Holy Spirit, the other things are added unto you as you go along. Okay? So the men, they will be taught to be husbands. It's been taught in camps and things, but maybe they don't buy the messages. I will acknowledge God as the source of my strength and do exploits to influence more people in the kingdom. Amen. When your husband sees nothing wrong with adultery and commits it, is divorce an option? Yes, the Bible allows divorce on those grounds. But it doesn't mean that by all means you should divorce. Divorce also has its complications. In your preaching, he said it's okay to cry. Won't your husband see it as your weakness and make negative comments, which makes you feel worse? It presupposes that you are crying in his presence, is it? I didn't think about it. I thought about you crying, but I didn't know that you were crying in his presence. Then Pastor Olivia said, don't let him see. It's between you and your God. But sometimes when they see it, their hearts become warm towards you. But sometimes when they see it, I'm not moved by tears. I've made up my mind. I am not moved by tears. But it's a lie. They are moved. Amen. But the reason that you are crying is not to move him. It's so that that heaviness will leave you. So don't have that hope. And then when it doesn't work, it's like... Because that's manipulation. You are using your tears to manipulate the situation. You know some of you, when you are being corrected, say, what did I do? What did I do? Then now we can't talk about it. We have to talk about your tears. Say so every day, you know, you cry. Then we leave the main issue. So that can be manipulation and in extreme forms, witchcraft. Witchcraft is using powers that are not the power of God. It's a work of the flesh, so you have to watch it. My wife don't like going out for dinner. Hey, some people have and they don't like. And some people like and they don't have. Your wife doesn't like going out for dinner. Wow. I wonder why. She finds it a bother. Or she feels that It's just like the guy who said he's romantic and his wife is not. I think the same answer will go for that. But don't give up, brother. <laughs> don't be wearing well-doing. My husband was the sweetest before we got married. Ah, but is it surprising? No. <laughs> now I feel he doesn't know me at all. We were beloved for about four years. He, be, 
He behaves as if he knows everything and thinks I argue over unnecessary things, which matters to me. He's not prepared to listen to me. What do I do? I would say that marriages go through different seasons. And at the beginning, he said, he did everything you said because he needed to win you and to win your heart. But now that he has conquered you, there's no incentive. And he says that you talk about unnecessary things. Men are in the habit of belittling what is of value to women. And that doesn't make marriage work properly. When your wife says, spend time with you, say, ah, what time? But since I came, have I not seen you? What is the time? Do not belittle what is precious to your spouse. What is precious to you is the bedroom, which for most women is not the first place. But she too must not lower it for your sake. I find that what a man needs is more tangible. Food, sex, it's tangible. You can touch it. You can know what to do. But what a woman needs is understanding, affection, time, attention. And then you begin to see it's, it's, it's nebulous. You know, you can't really hold it and see. So when they come for marriage counseling, then you ask the woman, so how many times do you get to your, together with your husband in the bedroom this week? I mean, you can say four times, but she cannot say how many times you have not minded her, how many times you've just shrugged your shoulder, how many times you have not found time to care. She can't count the number of times. It's not tangible, but it doesn't mean that it's not important. So uh, uh, brothers, the Bible says, dwell with us according to knowledge. Take time to study your wife. Don't just shove away her, her needs, you know, but take time to be intimately involved. I think women are very easy to please. And when you win your wife, look, the glory of the woman is her husband. So when you win her, you have won everything, including the bedroom. Amen. Please, Lady Pastor, I want to know whether it's good to be in a relationship whilst in school. It depends on how long, it depends on your age, it depends on your maturity, what school, at what level. Okay. Why is it that many Christers easily fall or are prone to fornication and adultery? I'm struggling and I know others are also in it. Help us. It's true, there's a lot of such things in the choir. I don't know whether it's because you are bunched together. We see it together. And then also, you minister on stage. So maybe that makes you more licentious. I don't know. But you minister on stage, so you can easily take the fact that you are being seen to be spirituality, but it's not. The fact that you sing or you, you really behave as if the spirit is coming down, but within you, you are not really spiritual. So maybe the singing makes you look spiritual. You know, when you say, Jesus, lover of my soul. Say, hey, this sister is very spiritual. Pastor. You have a camouflage and underneath it. So you never have the challenge of really becoming the real person that you are. So I think that I don't really have a reason, but fornication is fornication. And 
The Bible says we should learn how to possess our vessels. So everybody must know their weakness. Everybody must know what you are prone to. And you must possess your vessel. You know that when the brothers hug you, you have a problem. But when they hug Jemima, she doesn't have a problem. Don't try to be Jemima. You know where you fall. So don't stay in his room when it's dark. And then when he's locking the door, he say, hey, what are you doing? Hey, you know. If you have a beloved who does not have time for you, he's always busy, but he's loving. How do you deal with it? Do you gather strength and stay in it or back out since you are not married to him yet? I want to say that you will never find a perfect person. There will always be something about somebody that does not sit well with you. So you say he's loving, but he's busy. So you need to look at it and say, can I live with this? And if you can, then you flow with it. You discuss it with him, whatever, but look at how God has been struggling to change you. It's the same way he's struggling to change your husband, your beloved. My wife keeps comparing me to, their, to her friends. She wants me to be romantic and break for as a queen and treat her as a queen. I have come to realize from your messages that the other ladies may be using her inner strength, which my wife is unaware of. How do I make her come to this realization? Because she's being forceful on me. But you too, your wife says you are not romantic. Be romantic, learn. Just learn it. What does it take? She says you are not romantic. That shouldn't bring a problem. And go and see the romantic ones. Who are the romantic ones? What's your idea of being romantic? She will tell you, and then you start, even if you don't pass. The fact that you are making an effort will minister to her, you know. But I agree that the worst thing you should do to your spouse is to compare her or him to anybody. It doesn't make them want to change. Once you compare, they say, ah, then go and marry her, go to her, you know. So those things don't help. So if you are comparing, don't make it so blatant. Just say that, oh, I wish you would do this and that, but don't say that. Go and look at Mr. Mensah. He does this and that and that. Maybe Mr. Mensah is romantic, but when they get home, he beats his wife. You can't know everything. It's true. I know it because I've dealt with legal cases like that. How do you know you are in love? Ah. Is it good for a lady to sponsor the guy she loves? know you are in love first of all love is a decision you meet so many people and often you decide that this is the one that is special to me okay and then when you are in love you will be fond of the person it may not start that way because when I met my husband I said that he was too zealous he thought he was the only one going to heaven and I told my friend I can't stand him but that is just the beginning. You know, sometimes it's also a cuckoo romance. So it's just the beginning. And as the relationship blossoms, you will know whether the person is special to you. I think that is what I would call love. And that is it good for a lady to sponsor a guy. A man is supposed to look after the needs of a woman. Now when you first meet in life, it's true. When you first meet in life, you all need each other. When you marry, you all need each other, but the headship 
should not be taken over by the woman, usually. You know, so if she's always sponsoring you, she's always paying your fees, always buying clothes for you, always buying you petrol. You there, you came not to do anything. Why? No. It's not supposed to be that way. She's your helpmate. She's supposed to help you accomplish what you want to accomplish. But you, are, you want to put all your needs in this world on her. And you, the brothers, you are shouting yes. Oh. How did you know that Bishop was the one? By many infallible proofs. Well, one of the key things we did was to wait upon the Lord to be sure. We waited upon the Lord. We said that, Bishop said that we are not going to allow our emotions to run ahead of us. Now, when he speaks to his church members, he said he went to pray. As if as for me, I was just sitting there that, oh, when you come, whatever you will say. But that's pulpit power, it's allowed. So, I think that we sought God's, we liked each other to start with. And we, we felt that we liked each other's company. We seemed to be interested in a lot of similar things, including ministry, genuinely. And that's why we didn't know that we would be pastors, but we could sit for hours and talk about what Jesus did, how he ministered, what happened here, and not get bored. Do you understand? And then also, the first and foremost thing was, he was a Christian and I was also a born-again Christian. Uh, the Bible says, can any two work except they be agreed? We saw that we were agreed on many things. And then I think we also loved each other. It's a long story. So by how to be marriageable, how to be found, you hear all those stories, okay? I always get angry with my husband over certain petty things because I'm a melancholic. How do I use my inner strength to overcome such a thing? The Christian books on temperaments talk about the spirit-controlled temperament. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be able to control you. So whether you are melancholic, sanguine, whatever, whatever your weakness is, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and I so that it can help us overcome and be who God wants us to become. The, 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 um, there are many chapters on temperaments in the marriage manual. I have preached about temperaments. You can get it. And then because it will take the whole night if I'm to talk about it in detail. I thank the Lord for your life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please, I'd like to know what should I do to receive the anointing of God? Catch the anointed by Bishop Dagiwad Mills. Will change your life. So get the book. Okay, please, mommy. Is it right for a lady to approach a guy, especially when you feel something for him? Affection is strong. Well, my Bible says when a man has found a wife, he has found a good thing. So it's the man who does the finding. But there are ways in which you can encourage him without directly proposing to him. Because men like to capture and conquer and hunt. And if you propose to him, do not be surprised that one day he will say that. I have heard it so many times. I've heard it so many times in my counseling that Christians say that. Oh, I didn't propose to her. She proposed to me because I didn't want to, whatever. I said yes, you know. So 
Usually it's the man who makes the approach, but it's easy to get to a man's heart. But it shouldn't be by manipulation. He doesn't like you, but you like him. Therefore, you are going to set a trap. It should be mutual. And also, why would you like to marry somebody who does not like you? Why would you like to be interested in somebody who is not interested in you? So, you can be friends. When he says hello to you, you encourage him. When he sends you a text, you encourage him by responding and all that. And then hopefully, he will speak the word. But there's no hard and fast rule, I must say. What are some of the uncompromising things one should not do? Compromising. Not overlook in choosing a life partner. How to be marriageable. How to be found. The seven realities of marriage. Um, the flawless lover. This will all help you. What can push a spouse to tell the other that he or she regrets marrying him or her? Is it that they didn't get to know each other enough before marriage? When you are married and you get angry, you can say so many terrible things. And then after, you want to eat your words, but you have said it. And your spouse is meditating upon it as the word of God. So, and sometimes, when you are quarreling, you want to see who can hurt the other most. So you are just looking for hurtful things that are not necessarily true. But you want to pull the sharpest dagger. So when the person says, you are always, a, you cry, I regret marrying you. Idle words. You go and say it, and then now you don't know how to win your spouse back because you have gone. But some people to say it seriously. I've had counselings where the people say seriously, I regret marrying you. I don't know what. And then some people have told their wives, I wish the Lord would take you away. Yeah, I've encountered all these situations before. So when you are told such a thing, I would say that what I've told the women who have gone through that is that don't look at that he regrets marrying you he's not the one who determines your value it's god who determines your value and also when you feel condemned remember romans 8 1 there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in christ jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit so you need to be able to minister to yourself to overcome some of these negative things but and then also tell him that this thing that you are saying it's having a very bad effect on our marriage because it doesn't make me feel the strength to flow with you and all that because after all, you are living in regret, you know? I mean, sometimes we work with God and we wonder whether we've done the right thing, isn't it? So, these feelings can come and go but it doesn't mean that it should be so embedded and so real. So, well, what should I say? Forgive him and look to God to tell you who you really are. And then talk to him about it or about somebody who, who he listens to. But it's not that you didn't get to know each other enough. Marriage goes through many seasons and the unexpected happens. I go through so much stress to manage the home and to ensure that everybody is comfortable. But my husband never appreciates me. It takes away my joy and saps my strength. What do I do? Tell him, write him a letter, but choose the right words. I don't know, some people respond better at letters. I have a friend, the husband solves all his problems through text messages. When he comes, he doesn't say a word. But text, oh, he sends long text, you said that this, and then I also said that this, I'm sorry that I said that this, and this and that and that. Oh, he would communicate, but when he comes home, no, 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 no speech about anything. So find the method of communication that's most effective in your relationship. 
and use that. So she was complaining. I said, why complain? Send a text about all your complaints because he responds to that and it will work. What is the key to raising godly children in this evil world? The grace of God, I tell you. Because there are so many things that call the children and call their attention that we didn't have. But I believe that as we cover them with prayer, God will have mercy on us and on them too. How do you manage to take care of your family, home ministry, and still make time for yourself? <laughs> That's a tall order. It's in the marriage counseling manual, the total wife. But one of the things is delegating, getting help when you should. Some husbands say they don't want any house help in the house. And yet you want your wife to go to work, come home, cook, do this, do that. It's not easy. How is she going to, and how is she going to manage? You know, but I've also told some wives, you know, sometimes your husband says, I don't want any young girl in the house. And you say, why? She will come. She will come. He has a problem. He's not able to tell you. So he's telling you in an indirect way. So you have to receive it. And just go and bring a 50-year-old woman to be there. You see, if he says, I don't want this, I don't want that, there's a reason, but he can't discuss it with you. There's a reason. So use that wisdom to know. And sometimes... The person must not sleep in. The person must come and go. These are all counselings I've done. I've, I've, I've come across maid servants who say that things are being done to them. And uh, yeah, I have to talk to them. I have to say, look, find a way of saying that you are going. One maid servant, I said to her, find a way of saying you are going. And when she went, I met the madam and she said to me, very ungrateful girl. She just gets up, she goes out of the blue. How I look after my children, what I'll do is none of her. She just leaves. And I can't tell her that. Bad things were going on. Or about to happen. And then the girl rather, for the love for you, decided to leave. You see, so as the years passed, one of the ladies, she called me one day out of the blue. She said, Sister Vami, did you know that this was going on with this maid? And you didn't tell me. I said, yes, I knew. She said, so why didn't you tell me? I said, to save your marriage. Oh, okay. Thank you. She got to know like seven years after the girl has left. So, sometimes that is why. But your wife needs help. And please, when she's doing everything she can, appreciate her. Don't wait for her to be lying in a casket. Then you come and say she was a good wife. You looked after the children. And you did this. By that time, she's in glory. And she can't do with what you are saying. So appreciate your wife. Yesterday I said, when you come, the house is clean. Appreciate it. She takes everything off you in terms of the children so that you can be free. Appreciate it. Bishop Sam, amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, Kenneth Higgins said every time people praised her, praised him. Oh, your children have turned out so well. Oh, they are in the ministry. Oh, Ken and whatever. Oh, God bless you. And he used to tell them, I had nothing, not much to do with it because I was a traveling minister. It is my wife who has nurtured them, but nobody says thank you to her. But God will reward you. Amen. The Bible says, submit yourselves as unto the Lord. As soon as you see God, it changes your service. But if you see your husband, you look at his, look at his face. He doesn't deserve it. <laughs> Last one. I was in a relationship with an unbeliever. When I met him, I was also an unbeliever. But by God's grace, I have now received Christ into my life. I did not know how to break up with him because I was in love with him. 
he has broken up with I was just coming to say he will break up with you he has broken up with me and now he wants to be with me again and I'm confused because I love him I have the same case in the Kodesh okay but um, he wants to be with me again and I'm confused because I love him but he's not a born-again Christian I've advised him to give his life to Christ and he says he will but unless I accept him so can I can draw him close to God what do I do please I was with him when my pastor came to preach to us and I accepted Christ but he didn't please mommy what do I do dump him because he's not born again and you are not the personal Holy Ghost to draw him to Christ the Bible says if Jesus be lifted up he will draw men unto him so you you are not the one to be lifted up to draw him amen and he shouldn't say that if you accept me then I'll accept Christ then he's accepted Christ not because he sees his sin not because he has repented but because he wants you and with the, in, it's just a matter of time when he gets you he will become the true unbeliever that he is so leave it leave him cry but recover cry but get healed it's not the end of the world okay God will bring you somebody and then also leave it in God's hands if he really gets born again God has a way if he wants to send him back to you there's no love that is so great greater than the love of God and as a Christian you are called to sacrifice so I can't say don't give up you have to give it up even if it means crying even if it means being broken-hearted that's what we mean when you say take up your cross Christianity is not always a party there's a lot of sacrifice in it and we are called to die to ourselves so die as a grain of corn and God himself will lift you up and one day you'll be happy having your word is ah, so foolish boy and I call misleading me so God bless you and It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh North Kaneshi or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.